0: Welcome to NFL Live. We have decisions to be made this week in the NFL. On Tuesday, teams can start to franchise tag players. What happens with Baker Mayfield? And how do the Giants deal with Saquon Barkley? We have it all. And Mel Kuyper's new big board is out. LSU's Jaden Daniels, number two quarterback, over North Carolina's Drake May. Find out who could be coming up to get these rookie QBs and Micah Parsons MVP of the NBA Celebrity Game and some remarks about cowboy culture. Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes tells us how high school hoops helped shape his football career. As we welcome you to NFL Live on a Monday, Hannah Storm along with Dan Graziano, Mike Tannenbaum, Sam Acho. Micah Parsons is keeping the Cowboys in the news, fellas. He had quite the weekend at the NBA All-Star Game, as we just mentioned. He was MVP in the celebrity game. We're going to have highlights of that coming up. He also joined Stephen A. on his show, responding to Demarcus Lawrence's comments that the Cowboys were tired in that postseason loss to the Packers.
1: You should never go into a game like I'm tired, like I'm ready, like I'm ready to go home. 'Cause that's exactly exactly gonna happen and it did happen. I'm coming to the game every week, like, man, I got four more weeks left. I don't know what y'all got, but I got four more weeks left. Like, that's part of the culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. Like, that I would like that's just something like, I don't agree with at all. Like, regular season, all right, yeah, I'm tired, like I'm wore out. But as soon as playoffs hit, knowing how limited and how hard it is to win in playoff game, I wouldn't I wouldn't I would never say I'm tired or I I feel fatigued, because that's my job, to not feel that way.
0: Acho, let's start with you. What do you think about what Micah had to say?
2: Well, he's talking about culture. I think Michael Parsons is coming from a place at Penn State where he used to win a lot, he used to be the best player on the field. Now he's in the NFL, still oftentimes the best player on the field, winning in the regular season. But playoff comes and all of a sudden you hear conversations like, man, we were tired or, man, maybe we got out-schemed or for whatever reason we didn't come prepared. But Michael Parsons is, if not the leader, one of the leaders on this team. And so part of what being a great leader is, people call it level five leadership, it's not just leading yourself. It's not just you being the best, it's you having other guys around you bringing them up to your level as well, right? Talking about penalties and accountability. Michael Parsons was one of the most penalized guys on the Cowboys. Tied for fourth, most penalized on the team. Right, okay, Sam Williams, another defensive end, another penalized guy. Bring him under your wing. Help him become a better leader, not just in the regular season, but also get with him in the offseason. I got a chance to see Patrick Mahomes in the offseason working out with guys like Sky Moore, other guys on his team, other players, you know, backup quarterbacks. Like, they're all together, and so... Yes, Micah Parsons is an elite talent and an elite leader, but the best leaders not just lead themselves. You have to find ways to motivate others. Going back to Mahomes again to that comment that he made, I think it was early in the season, there was an overthrown pass, I believe it was to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and it wasn't even overthrown. It was actually a perfect pass, but Mahomes said, man, I could have put it a little bit shorter. And fast forward, what does that do? That boosts the confidence of your teammates. That shows accountability for you, and all of a sudden they have to get to your level. And so for me, I think the change that Micah Parsons was wants to see, it has to start with him, and not just him alone, him bringing other guys alongside with him and bringing them up to his level.
3: That's it's an outstanding uh, advertisement for your book that you got behind you over your right shoulder there, Sacho. Change starts with you. You're talking to Micah Parsons. I think that's fantastic synergy uh, here on the program. But I agree completely. I'm listening to Micah Parsons talking. and I'm thinking. Why is he saying this to Stephen A. Smith? I mean, good for Stephen A., you know, good content for his his podcast and all, but it feels like if Micah Parsons feels this way, he needs to find a way not just to say it, but to deliver it effectively in his own locker room, right? So at 24 years old, he's an elite player. He's done things in his first three years in the league that – that are beyond what what a lot of people do in their whole careers. He doesn't really need to improve as a player, although, you know, everybody's always working to do that. It seems like if Micah Parsons wants to help elevate the Cowboys, this is the arena in which there's room for him to operate and room for him to grow. So I absolutely agree with uh, with Sacho there that, you know, if there is a leadership vacuum in the Cowboys locker room and from the outside it sometimes appears as if there might be, then Micah Parsons, certainly because of the kind of player he is, has the capacity and and the juice, if you will, to to go in and fill that. And uh, and I think that would be a a wise move at this point.
4: You know, Hannah, I agree with what uh, both Graz and Sam said, which is the most effective type of leadership is player-led leadership. The best teams I was on— Player-led leadership like the Bart Scotts of the world, they solve problems. And that's exactly what the Cowboys need. They need player-led leadership to solve problems. And they need some force multipliers. Get guys there for the off-season program. Stay longer in the facility. And I'll give you two names, Hannah. Someone like a Bobby Wagner or a Levante David. They need a middle linebacker, assuming that Leighton Vanderish won't be back, who could be a single caller but also a leader. Because this team has plenty of talent, but year in and year out, we see them fall short at consequential times. And hopefully these intangibles, where they can improve upon, will get them to where they want to go.
0: Yeah, leading by example, actually the most powerful uh, stop in that talk and uh, getting it done. Maybe they need some help in that regard. OK, starting tomorrow, teams can put the franchise tag on some key players around the NFL. There are plenty of important decisions to be made this season, the likes of Saquon Barkley, T. Higgins, Baker Mayfield. Dan, let's start there. And Tampa, they really have some tough decisions to make among three of their stars. Actually, what do we need to know heading into tomorrow?
3: Well, I think sometimes, Hannah, this comes down to the cost. And Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, would cost about $36 million for the Buccaneers to franchise, uh, which makes it, I think, unlikely that they do that. More likely that they try and work out a long-term deal with him or explore other options on the quarterback market, much the way they did last year when they landed on Baker Mayfield. So look for the Bucs to try and keep Baker, but probably not franchise him. And I could say the same thing about wide receiver Mike Evans. Because of the rules of how the franchise tags are calculated and how much money Evans made on his previous contract, his franchise tag would be over $28 million uh, if the Buccaneers decided to use it on him. That's significantly more than the wide receiver franchise tag uh, would normally be, uh, again, for reasons tied to his previous uh, contract. Look at safety Antoine Winfield uh, and about a $16 million tag as the more likely candidate for Tampa Bay. The Cincinnati Bengals have T. Higgins eligible for free agency. He is a strong candidate for the franchise tag as the Bengals work to keep the group around Joe Burrow together as long as possible before Burrow's cap numbers start going up significantly in future years. Higgins would love a contract extension and it's possible the Bengals find a way to give him one. But if they can't, I would, be, I would expect them to franchise him to make sure he doesn't leave the building. And you will not see the Vikings use the franchise tag on quarterback Kirk Cousins. That's because his deal does not void until right before the league year, which is after the deadline for franchising players. That's a little trick that uh, got put in the contract to make sure they couldn't franchise him. The Vikings will spend the next couple weeks trying to work out a long-term deal with Cousins. If they can't, they'll move on. That could mean the draft. It could mean another option in free agency, but then Cousins would be a free agent and free to sign anywhere else. could be an option for Tampa Bay or Atlanta or Vegas or any of those teams that are looking for quarterbacks.
0: And it certainly bears remembering how well he was playing before he tore his Achilles in week eight. Cousins had some of the best numbers in the NFL. He was tied with Tua Tungavailoa for the most touchdowns in the NFL, and he was second to Tua at that point. And passing yards. So, Mike T., let's put your GM hat back on. What would you do with Kirk Cousins also knowing that you have Justin Jefferson's contract to worry about?
4: Hannah, you have to get him signed to an extension. And as we talked about before the show, give him a big signing bonus, prorate it out to lower the cap number. Look, he's 36 years old. That's not ideal. But when you juxtapose his performance, which you just laid out, compare it with the 11th pick, which is likely somebody like J.J. McCarthy, or maybe Bo Nix from Oregon. Clearly, Kirk Cousins is the better player. The big three of Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Kayla Williams will be long gone. So I think the Vikings would be well served to hold on to Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, give them long-term deals, and that's their nucleus going forward. Clearly, that's their best option. If not, I think Kirk Cousins looks at Atlanta, he looks at Pittsburgh, and I think he'll be gone really quick despite the injury because he's been so productive.
2: Yeah, and I, don't think, I don't think there's even any need or reason for Kirk Cousins to look anywhere outside of Minnesota, especially if they'll have him back. I mean, think about the, the, I think about the competence that he has at receiver. Yes, you talk about Justin Jefferson, one of the most prolific receivers in the entire NFL, but then also young players like Jordan Addison had 10 touchdowns this last season. So when it comes to competence, when it comes to confidence, when it comes to culture – It seems as if Kirk Cousins has it all here in Minnesota. Then on the flip side of that, Minnesota may say, okay, well, maybe we go get a guy in in the draft, or maybe we try and figure out a young quarterback and clear some cap space. But why would you want to do that when you know you're going to have a good defense led by Brian Flores, and you know you also have those competent and dominant receivers, especially with Justin Jefferson, if you can sign him to a long-term deal. And so for me, I don't think this is a situation where you want to look to the draft, to the draft. To get a quarterback. You have your quarterback who's putting up not only best numbers around the league. Those were career numbers for Kirk Cousins to, the, to that point. Playday games, if you extrapolate that for the entire season, those would have been a career numbers when it comes to touchdown passes. And so he's playing his best ball. He has great. Uh, he's the culture of the team. There's confidence there. And you have a, an opportunity in the NFC North, and I get it. The Lions made the playoffs. They're surging. The Packers found their quarterback. But it's a division that's very winnable. You have your quarterback. Now is not the time to start over.
3: Yeah, there's a lot about Minnesota that appeals to Kirk Cousins, Uh, not to mention, by the way, he's raising his family there. He and they like living there. Uh, I think that that is a very appealing destination. But as we have learned over the years with Kirk Cousins, the deal has to be right. And if they can't reach a deal, uh, that makes both sides happy, then I do think they go their separate ways. This is going to unfold here in the coming weeks. They need to have this taken care of by the time his contract voids on March 13th, because at that point, 28.5 million million of dead money hits their cap if they don't have an extension done with Kirk Cousins at that point. That would make it difficult for them to do the Jefferson deal. It would make them difficult to keep mm-hmm. Daniil Hunter, defensive end, also eligible for free agency. So the Vikings have a lot of work to do, but the first thing they need to do is figure out if Kirk Cousins is going to be their quarterback or if they have to find some other solution there.
0: You know, and back to Sam's point, he threw 18 touchdowns in those first eight games last year. That's the most he's ever had in the first eight games of a season in his entire career. So stay tuned there. Also, we are just getting started on NFL Live. Mel Kuyper released his big board. That's created a lot of discussion around the quarterbacks at the top. Stay tuned. Mikey T. tells us which QB prospect he thinks is built for the NFL and three-time Super Bowl champ Patrick Mahomes. Wasn't just good on the gridiron growing up. We go back to his hoops roots.
5: I think the skills of playing the point guard position specifically really helped me. Just because you have to be able to see the court pass on the fly, and that pass has to be in the perfect spot to set your guy up to score. And if you watch me scramble around, it's the same thing.
0: And then there's this. Yes, <laughs> all-star throwback. Thanks to the guys in the control room. Yet yeah, this was an NBA hoops issued card back in the day. Yours truly, uh, with some very, very big hair. Hey, but but that was in back then. What can I say? <laughs>
6: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Welcome back to NFL Live. We have Mel Kuyper's latest big board, which, as a reminder, ranks prospects according to their skill set, not by what teams need. This features three quarterbacks in the top five, Caleb Williams in the top spot, followed by Ohio State receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. received Jaden Daniels at number three. Uh, One of the most interesting questions, of course, is which quarterback the teams have after Caleb Williams. Mel does have Jaden Daniels over Drake May in this edition. Let's revisit the Heisman winning season for the LSU quarterback.
2: My family, they find joy and peace, uh, you know, seeing me play football because, you know, they know that they'll be proud
5: of watching me go out there and play.
1: I want to thank to every single LSU fan for having my back. I'm forever
7: thankful.
4: And he runs to the far side, 20, 25 outside the numbers, to the 40. A lot of room to run
7: across midfield, cuts inside the 20, touchdown. And he'll launch towards the end zone, touchdown, Fighting Tigers, into the end zone.
2: They told me, uh, you know, no matter what, if I do something, you know, give it my all. So uh, every time I'm out there playing, I'm going to give it my all. All right, so
0: assuming that Caleb Williams is the fourth quarterback taken, Mikey T, and we saw last year how well that number two pick, C.J. Stroud, worked out for the Texans, who are you taking? Are you taking Daniels or are you taking May?
4: I'm taking Drake May, and I love Jaden Daniels. I think he's going to be really good. But when you consider the fact that Drake May lost Josh Downs and his 94 receptions, and we all know about Tez Walker, Hannah, and his eligibility issues, Drake May just didn't have a lot to work with. But prototypical size, really good athlete, can make all the throws and didn't have a lot to work with. I don't think he played very well against Virginia, Georgia Tech. But I think when you're looking at someone that could withstand the rigors of an NFL season, all 17 games, to me, that's the tiebreaker with Jaden Daniels, who went to Arizona State at 108 pounds, who's gotten a lot better. But to me, if we were running a team, Hannah, one of the biggest questions is, with 66 quarterbacks starting in 2023, which quarterback has a better chance of making it through the season? And to me, the answer is easy. In that category, that's Drake May.
2: No, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I lean Drake May as well. And I think the reason why is this. I look at the stats. Not only the stats, right? I'm watching college football, watching Jaden Daniels play. 40 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns. Heisman Trophy, outstanding. Drake May didn't have as great of a season this year, but last year, what did Drake May do? 38 passing touchdowns, 7 rushing touchdowns. We could do it with his arms, 45 total touchdowns to Jane Daniels' 50. He could do it with his arms and his legs as well. One thing I think about is this, the consistency of Drake May. And I'm not saying that Jane Daniels hasn't been consistent. What I am saying is that there is a huge uptick this season versus the last two seasons. So even – I remember last year, put it this way, just to kind of end it here. Last year, or I guess the year before last, when Drake May finished that season, if he would have been eligible, there was conversations about him being one of the top quarterbacks taken, yet he wasn't eligible last season. Now he is eligible. And so if you look at the bigger picture, I'm still going Drake May over Jaden Daniels, but Jaden Daniels Ooh. has surged up lists extremely fast. So I'm not saying he's two, maybe three to, to Caleb, or excuse me, Caleb Williams one. Then I would go Drake May two. Then I'd have Jaden Daniels at three.
3: Yeah, and I think it's very much eye of the beholder, right? Quarterback evaluations in the NFL always are, particularly in the draft. If, if Mel Kiper was drafting for the Washington Commanders, it sounds like he might take Jaden Daniels, but we don't know if that's the case uh, for Adam Peters and Dan Quinn. So we'll see. I think the concerns about the size, right? Mike T is talking about how slightly built Jaden Daniels is, and that's something that's going to make teams worry about his ability to sustain a long career. We did hear similar concerns about Bryce Young a year ago. Now. The concerns about Bryce Young were not could he perform at a high level in the NFL. It was could he last in the NFL at his size. And I think the latter will come up in discussions about Jaden Daniels because he's got that slight frame. But he's much taller than Bryce Young, and I think that gives him an edge performance-wise. The issues Bryce Young had performance-wise last year uh, were a lot more tied to situation, I think, than, than, his, uh, than his frame. But, yes, long-term, if, if teams are looking for a way to – say break a tie, let's say we're, we're, we're really, you know, lock, neck and neck between Drake, May, and Jaden Daniels, that's the kind of thing they could use.
0: Yeah, it does feel like there's a little bit of perhaps recency bias uh, looking at Bryce Young. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of other factors behind, besides his size that played into him not having the kind of season that he wanted to, and certainly the least of which was not that C.J. Stroud completely outshone him at that number two pick. All right, guys, outside the quarterbacks, give me one person that you have your eye on. On Mikey T. I'm gonna
4: go with Malik Neighbors, wide receiver LSU. Look, I love Marvin Harrison, Hannah. He's gonna be a great player. He's like Larry Fitzgerald, but Malik Malik Neighbors, he's Jalen Waddell. Over 15 yards per reception, massive game against Mississippi State. And if you're looking for a home run hitter, Malik Neighbors is that player in this year's draft. I think he's gonna go in the top five, even though
2: he may not have the headlines of Marvin Harrison Jr. And the guy I'm picking may not have the headlines, but when it comes to one of the best inside linebackers in all of college football and draft prospects, I'm going Junior Colson, middle linebacker for Michigan. He started the last three years, 21 years old, and on the last three years, he's the one calling the play signal caller. They have not been ranked lower than fifth in total defense. You say, well, they had all this talent. He has the keys to the car, the keys to the defense. <laughs> he asked for that when he meets with different coaches at these at the combine, etc. And so I'm looking forward to watching him play. They maybe say late first round, but one of the top two or three inside linebackers taken this draft.
0: Yeah, the guy wearing the dot. He has 257 tackles in those three seasons at Michigan, fourth most in the Big Ten. Okay, coming up next, Patrick Mahomes takes us inside his high school basketball career and how helped shape his football career. Hey, Steph even makes an appearance.
1: He looks pretty comfortable around the trees, as we call them when you get in the paint, so it seems like his pocket presence looks pretty solid. Yeah, I think his creativity, like, double spin moves and always find, like, a little little lane to attack using his body.
0: This weekend, of course, featured the NBA All-Star Game, but on Friday and in Indy, they held a celebrity game featuring some of the top NFL stars around the league. All four of these guys played hoops in high school, and they were surprisingly good. We just had to show you these highlights. At the All-Star Celebrity Game, we got Micah Parsons, C.J. Stroud, Puka Nakua was absolutely loving it, Nicole Hardman. So Team Stephen A. is up here, and Stroud handling the loose ball, fights through the contact. Sam Macho is with me on this one. What do you think of that? He's... He likes what he sees there, huh?
2: Well, shout out to the finish by C.J. Stroud. And I'm glad to see Stephen A. on the sidelines. I heard his ankles were broken by Micah Parsons. So good to see him standing properly.
0: <laughs> Micah Parsons was doing it all. But Puka Nakua, as we look at Parsons just attacking the rim, what was really impressive was Nakua and his hops. Let's take a look here, Sato.
2: Yeah, it's so impressive. We see NFL players, wide receivers, offensive ends, pass rushers. You're thinking, okay, you're good at football. But now you see them not only dunking, but getting vertical, getting airtime. I will say this. They're not 6'11 like some of the NBA players. So it's impressive to see the shots and the dunks. Yeah,
0: and how about this pass from Parsons to who's got some range, man. All right. Taking it himself is C.J. Stroud. He was physical. Not surprising, I guess, Sam, right?
2: Not even close CJ Stroud was a hooper in high school from California Inland Empire and so many of these athletes you see in the NFL two sport athletes football you might see baseball but also you see it on the hoop on the hoop floor and
0: how about like look at these handles by Micah Parsons I mean that guy we know he can play a bunch of different positions but boy he's got some talent although the big revelation Puka Nakua Sam. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Fuku was outstanding. He was a revelation on the football field for, uh, from, as a football player. Now we're seeing it on the hardwood as well.
0: Had that Sports Center top 10 chain going. Hands Stephen A a loss. Micah Parsons, he's your MVP, former high school center. 37 points, 16 rebounds. And Stephen A just said they had a little bit of trouble stopping the Cowboys' pass rusher.
7: Man. Man, what happened? Listen, listen. I had C.J. Stroud can play. I had a couple of other cats that could play as well, but we had no answer for that damn sack master, Mike, Micah Parsons, who was allowed to step on a basketball court and treat men, women, and children like they were quarterbacks, like they were opposing I'm quarterbacks. Like, purr, Shannon Sharp was sitting up there, and purr, they were knocking purr, people all over Micah. the place. And Shannon was, and sh- Shannon was, was clapping them on. I mean, I got people in the hospital still recovering from sh- from Micah.
0: <laughs> well, maybe if Stephen A didn't warm up in his Louboutins and have a little trip to the hospital himself, he might have fared better. Uh, Sam Sam, you played high school hoops right back in the day. What surprised you or impressed you the most?:
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is how, as a, as a high school athlete, I was thinking, man, I want to go to the NFL and play football, but how when I was getting recruited, My football coaches from college, they went to watch my high school basketball games. And so being a multi-sport athlete, being versatile, doing different things, some of the same skills you see on a football field, spin moves, great footwork, you see it on a basketball court as well. So what stands out to me is how some of the same skills translated from high school to college to the NFL, but also from one sport to another.
0: Hey, thanks for leading me into our next topic here. And that would be Patrick Mahomes and his baseball background. We know that's been well documented and evident. Evidence in his play on the football field from his sidearm throws to his shovel passes. His time as a shortstop, definitely manifesting itself, but much lesser known. Mahomes' basketball background at White House High School outside of Tyler, Texas. Tori Zwacky Roy explores that element of Mahomes' makeup.
2: Mahomes magic! How
4: about that live
2: like Patrick Mahomes?
0: Basketball is a
8: lot of reaction. Not a lot of thinking.
2: It is a whole magic, a play
5: that only Patrick makes.
8: You have time to think a lot. You have time to react. That's where he's head and shoulders above everybody. Basketball was my first love.
0: Pure athleticism and his time playing baseball have widely been considered by some the foundation for Patrick Mahomes' dynamic playing style on the football field. And according to those in his hometown, White House, Texas, that's all true. But one thing is missing from that narrative.
3: As a basketball player, he could do so much. He could score, he could pass, he made everybody better. He could play
1: defense, offense, he could bring the ball down the court, or he could play down low against the bigger guys, because he was just as big as the guys playing down low. Kind of like football, he can do it all.
0: A three-sport athlete at White House, in Mahomes' senior season on the basketball team in 2014, he averaged more than 19 points and eight rebounds per game. Playing mainly inside, coaches also played Mahomes at point guard to have the ball in his hands in big moments.
3: We had a game here, and we're playing a really tough opponent. He hits a big three, and he got fouled. And I mean, the place went nuts. Like, my time here is the loudest this place has ever
1: been. Oh man, that was probably the best game he's ever played. We were struggling offensively too. I remember, you know, we were having a tough time scoring. But you know, at that point, we were really just giving him the ball and <laughs> letting him go score and do what he does.
8: This one specific play—he's getting the ball. And he's going down the right side of the floor, full speed, and the players coming over to take a charge and they're going to meet right there.
1: He could barely dunk, and I guess something got into him, and he, you know, jumped over a guy and and dunked on him. We lost that game, but I still still remember that play. You know, when
8: I watch him step back in the pocket and a 280-pound defensive end is about to come and end his whole playing career, he just all of a sudden just spins out. And that's the stuff he sees. He knows it's coming, he feels it.
5: I think the skills of playing the point guard position specifically really helped me. Just because you have to be able to see the court pass on the fly and that pass has to be in the perfect spot to set your guy up to score. And if you watch me scramble around, it's the same thing. I look like I'm moving slow, but I'm getting to where I need to get to. And I feel like in basketball, I was the same way.
8: He just reminded me of probably like a Stephen Curry, throwing up crazy shots out here and making them. And people are, like, going, what in the world? How does he do this?
7: How would you break down jersey number five?
1: He's got a nice, like, ooh. He shoots with his whole body. I was going to give him some compliments on how fluid he was with his with his feet work.
0: This is actually Patrick Mahomes.
1: No, it's right? not. No, it's not. Uh, you would have no idea. That's Pat Mahomes right there. He looks pretty comfortable around the trees, as we call them when you get in the paint, so it seems like his pocket presence looks pretty solid. Yeah, I think his creativity, like double spin moves and always find like a little, a little lane to attack using his body, doesn't seem like he's afraid of that physicality either, so pretty well-rounded, even though the jumper needs some work.
5: But it goes in. I mean, it goes in. It doesn't always have to be pretty. I mean, I'm not going to shoot like Steph. Mo Holmes
8: kept the play alive, spinning, turning, looking
1: kind of like when you get trapped and you just got to get it out of there somehow and get it to the open guy and let them do the rest of the work, but you always have an option. I think that's kind of the way Pat sees the game and for me as a point guard, that's what you try to feel like. Uh, You always have an option to get the ball where you want it to go.
5: People see the arm angles, but they don't see how I can see the whole entire field and Pass to the guy where they can get the ball and get upfield and everything like that. I think that's point guard growing up. Maybe if I wouldn't have stopped growing in eighth grade, I might be playing basketball. You never know.
0: That was such a cool piece. So, Sam, you know, you made a point earlier. So many of the elite, and I mean the very best Hall of Fame athletes, were all multi-sport players in high school. They played a lot of different sports, in particular basketball. How do you see that manifest itself with Mahomes?
2: I see him allow his creativity to shine and to flourish anywhere he goes. As a football player, we always praise Patrick Mahomes for how creative creative he is as a passer in the pocket, right? No-look passes, different arm angles. But the same type of things that you saw on the football field, we saw on the hardwood, the creativity, the spin move, the double spin move, spinning in the air and then getting the ball outlet to a teammate. And so for me, what sports does a great job of is allowing people to be creative, just like great artists or maybe just like great speakers, great writers. It allows them an avenue to show their stuff. And so that's what I love about watching guys like Patrick Mahomes or the guys who played. You see their talent, creativity and skill not just in one lane. It's in many different avenues.
0: Right. It allows that vision. Right. In so many ways, all the processing that he does so quickly comes from all of that variety of experience. I love what I love what Steph said. He said there's always an option. All right, still to come, Russell Wilson is packing up and moving out of Denver. What are his options? Hear what Mikey T says about where Russ could land next season. And this will surprise you.
6: Every day you wake up, you know, you realize it's a gift to play this game, and I'm grateful for that. And so um, I hope that it's here, and I hope that it's here for a long time. I hope we win some more silverware on the front hall and we get some more championships. Um, and if it's not here, then uh, then uh, I'll be prepared to do that somewhere else. But I hope that it's here.
0: Russell Wilson reportedly accepting offers for his house in Colorado. Price tag, oh. Around $25 million. As you know, benched in Week 17 for Jarrett Stidham. Sean Payton and the Broncos haven't spoken about a final decision regarding his future in Denver. But Charles Barkley knows what's up. Here he is commenting on Russell Wilson, who was at the All-Star game last night.
2: Russell hey, so Wilson, yes indeed. A man who's looking for a job as we speak. He is. He's not going back to Denver. <laughs> that ship is sailed.
0: Take it for Adam Schefter. Move over. Charles Barkley is coming for you. Russ won (laughs) 104 games in 10 seasons uh, with the Hawks. He posted 66 total QBRs time in Denver. We all know that that was nowhere nearly as successful. Eight games under 500. QBR dropping by more than 20 points. So, uh, Mikey T, it's not exactly breaking news that he won't be there in Denver. But where Russ goes is so intriguing and in what role. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are from a front office perspective.
4: Hannah, he's going to be a backup, just like you laid out there. His production's gone down, he's getting older, and he needs to go to a place where he can hopefully, for his sake, resurrect his career. So to me, it's the New York Jets as a backup to none other than Aaron Rodgers. And here's why. The Jets will obviously have to draft an offensive tackle for Aaron Rodgers, they will acquire another speed receiver to go opposite Garrett Wilson, but they need a young, inexpensive, not young, but a inexpensive backup quarterback. 66 quarterbacks started a year ago, and when they lost Aaron Rodgers, their season was over. So to me, go recruit Russell Wilson. Tell him he can resurrect his career with the Jets. And then in a year, he could reevaluate things. And for somebody that has so many off-the-field aspirations for him and his wife, Hannah, what better market than to be in New York? So I think it's a marriage of convenience. It's a temporary one. But it gives the Jets a better chance to win this year.
0: Well, Sierra's also from Atlanta, I'm just saying. I I just—it's hard to imagine him going back and playing for Nathaniel Hackett, giving what happened their first season. Thank you! Nathaniel Hackett is (laughs) still— Yes, What?
3: Yes, Dan. Mike T's been talking about this all day. He's not going to play for Hackett. He's not going to back up Aaron Rodgers. Aaron (gasps) Rodgers isn't going to let him back up Aaron Rodgers. And guess who's running the Jets right now? Aaron Rodgers. No way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sam. Where is he going to go? I'll say this. Where is he going? I'll say say this. I'll say this. I don't know. Atlanta's an option. So Mike T, where is he going to go? Atlanta's an option. Pittsburgh is an option as far as where he's going to go. He's not going to go and be a backup anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. Think about this. Okay, you talk about some of the numbers statistically, but last year, oh, he was 7-8. and eight. Well, he, they started off 1-5. The defense was giving up 33 points over 33 points a game in those six starts. Remember, there was a 70-point game. They gave up uh, 35 one game, 28 another game, 31. Then all of a sudden, what happened? All of a sudden, Russell Wilson starts to win. He wins six out of seven games. And also, what we didn't know, we found out later, was that in that six-game, or it was a four-game winning streak, with six out of seven, there's conversation about, hey, you need to take a pay cut, otherwise we are going to bench you. So that's what's going on behind the scenes. Yet, while that's going on, Russell Wilson is still winning. And so, for me, this is not a conversation about Russell Wilson going to be a backup to Aaron Rodgers or to backup anywhere. It's a conversation about certain teams that want to win, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, need a quarterback. They just let one of their guys go. Certain teams, like the Atlanta Falcons, have talent all around the field. Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts. Certain teams need a quarterback, and Russell Wilson could fill that void. Could you go to the draft? Sure, but you've tried other quarterbacks at different positions. Maybe you need a slight upgrade. I'm not saying he's going to come and resurrect a whole program, but maybe he will, right? Like, all I know is this. Last year, with Russell Wilson, he was fighting... Behind the scenes, there was so much going on we didn't know Mm -hmm. about, yet he and his team, they were still winning. Despite a bad defense, that did get it turned around. Give credit to the defense, part one. Part two, some of these other quarterback-needy teams are going to look at Russell Wilson and say, he's better than what we had last year and better than what we may be able to get in the draft. If we're that desperate for a quarterback, we don't have a top 5, 10, or 15 pick.
0: Mikey T, couldn't you see him maybe not necessarily as a backup, but as a veteran presence while a young quarterback is developed a la Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes?
4: Hannah, that is plausible, and I understand what Sam's saying, so we have to see how things sort out. But there's also another scenario where, let's say, Pittsburgh trades for Justin Fields and they already have Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. And let's say Atlanta trades up with the Patriots to get the number three and draft a quarterback. So we have to see how things sort out. I know, based on my own experience, Vinny Tostaverde was sitting out there. In June, it's not a death sentence. We signed him at the Jets and went to the championship game that year. So all I'm saying is, I think we're going to be a long ways away until we know where Russell Wilson is. And at some point, you have to think about supply and demand from both sides. And again, if I'm the Jets, I have to learn what happened last year. The Cleveland Browns had four different quarterbacks play, and they won, they won, um, they got to the playoffs and won 11 games. But to me, if I'm the Jets, they have to improve upon Zach Wilson as their backup.
0: He's not giving it up. He's not giving it up, Dan.
3: We, we, we were killing him on Get Up this morning over this. We didn't even mention the Hackett thing, which I is know. an outstanding point. Mike <laughs> T., if you're the GM of the Jets and you're considering bringing Russell Wilson in, what are you going to do about that? Those two guys can't possibly get along again. That was a disaster of a merit. Look, I, I mean, I, I think just to get on the, the plane of reality here, like a lot of this is going to have to be like what Russell wants to do. You talk about, I, I think Satchel brought up the uh, the idea of, of um, you know, like an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes thing, or, or like a Kurt Warner, Eli Manning situation, right, from Eli's rookie year. You have to have a Russell Wilson that's willing to do that. And I'm not right. 100% sure at this point in his career that that's where his head is. He's made a lot of money. He's done a lot of winning. If there's if there's a, if the only situation for Russell Wilson is one that he's not thrilled with, I could see him waiting it out. He's going to make 39 million dollars from the Broncos this year, no matter what, whether he takes a single snap or not.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, the Browns and their success. Joe Flacco, right, came off the couch and uh, into the rescue. Mm-hmm, on, riding in on his white horse there. All right, gentlemen, well, that was a lot of fun, Mikey T. Thanks for that, having us live in <laughs> fantasy land. <laughs> All right, coming up, Magic Johnson pulled the rug out from under Antonio Pierce. He just snagged Cliff Kingsbury, brought him to the nation's capital. Stay tuned to hear what Pierce said about it for the first time and what it all could mean for Caleb Williams. CSPN Plus UFC Fight Night Saturday. Mexico City highlighted by the flyweight main event. Brandon Moreno taking on the number three contender. Brandon Roy Vall, the prelims start at 7 Eastern, followed by the main card at 10 Eastern as we welcome you back to NFL Live. We have Mel Kuyper's latest big board, which has three quarterbacks in the top five. Caleb Williams at number one. Carolina's Drake May at three. LSU's Jaden Daniels at five. Now, the Commanders, who have the number two pick, hired Cliff Kingsbury, as you know, to be their new offensive coordinator. He was also Caleb Williams' coordinator at USC. That created some speculation, especially after he was expected to go to the Raiders and then didn't. Here's Antonio Pierce on the pivot.
1: National Football League, NFL,
2: not for long. <laughs> so you're right. I thought we had a guy, but not for long. Hold on. So you put pen to paper, man. That's the one thing I learned. I, no different than us in free agency, right? Gotcha. Teams are recruiting. New things are going on. Listen, Magic Johnson pretty good. I guess you can still, just, I think you still dish it out a little bit. <laughs> if I'm losing the Magic, I'm okay with that, right? And then at the end of the day, listen, man. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. That's fine.
0: Yeah, Magic Johnson, of course, uh, on the team that helped lure Cliff Kingsbury to our nation's capital. But damn the man. I know people are drawing all sorts of lines between Kingsbury and Caleb Williams. Can you put us in the realm of reality and how this actually will (laughs) impact what happens in the draft in terms of Caleb Williams?
3: Well, the the commanders may well want to move up from two to one and and get Caleb Williams, but they may not be able to. I mean, I go back four years to when Cincinnati had the one pick and teams were calling them to try and get up and draft Joe Burrow, and they just said no to everybody. The Bears could do that. If the Bears want Caleb Williams, they're going to draft Caleb Williams. Uh, the commanders will, will will more than likely shoot their shot, but they brought in Cliff Kingsbury because they feel like he'll be able to coach whoever it is that they take. Uh, you know, Drake May at North Carolina ran some version of an air raid offense that's similar to stuff Kingsbury has run in the past, and we know he's got experience uh, developing mobile quarterback with, uh, with Kyler Murray, so if it's Jaden Daniels, uh, they feel like he can do that as well. I think what happened... In Vegas was they never, as AP just referenced there, they never really got to the point where the contract was done. Uh, and it, it may have hit a snag, and then the commanders swooped in. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think it's a sign that the commanders are getting Caleb Williams. I think they'll give it a shot. But, again, it's not going to be up to them. It's going to be up to what the Bears want to do.
4: And, Hannah, to that point, let's not overcomplicate things. If I'm the Bears and I see – the. A phone ringing from the Washington, D.C. area. I'm not even answering it. I'm drafting Caleb Williams. I'm telling him that. You can move to Chicago in April, May, June, July, October. We got two really good young tackles. We got a really good difference maker outside, of D.J. Moore. We got Cole Komet, and you're going to be our quarterback for years to come. So let's not overthink things. We're not even answering the phone from anybody else. We're drafting Caleb Williams.
2: No, let, let's overcomplicate things, right? If the offer is sweet enough, Chicago should absolutely <laughs> yeah, listen. That's what Chicago did last year. There was a sweet offer, they got DJ Moore, they got two first yeah. round picks two second-round picks, they bolstered their roster. If the offer is, in fact, sweet, if Washington Commanders did, in fact, hire Cliff Kingsbury to come and coach Caleb Williams, who coached Caleb Williams last year, who has intimate knowledge of Caleb Williams, then why not say yes? What do I mean by that? Okay, all you're doing, you're trading back from number one to number two. There's a high-caliber quarterback in Drake May who's still available at number two. A lot of people thought was going to be a top-round pick last year if he could have come out. And so, If I'm Chicago and Washington is calling and they're that desperate, I'm absolutely listening. Why? Because as you know, Mike T, and as I know as well, the CBA negotiations, NFLPA, yep. negotiation is all about leverage. Chicago has all the leverage. They have the player that Washington may want, they have the number one overall pick. And they also have options. All
0: right, Sam. Though we have to look at some future talent before we go. All right, enough of these guys. We're going to go to Danbury, Connecticut. There's a long snapper oh. named Jacob Tannenbaum, <laughs> and he is snapping to a kicker named Sam Graziano, who has committed yeah, to is. Colby College. Get you guys That's with the boys.
2: Good. How about that? How did this happen? Are, are these like are these our sons? What's yes. going on? Or is this just like random no, Rams and no, no, random no. Graziano? no, these are their yeah. sons.
3: No, no, no. These are our sons. They work with the same coach, specialist coach uh, named Brendan Cahill in Connecticut, who's, who's been a huge help to Sam, and he's uh, helping uh, Mike T's son now as well. And and uh, yeah, they had a big workout yesterday in
0: Danbury, and you
3: can see they ran a few guys through there.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely tremendous. Watch out for those Tana bombs and Graziano's. Thanks, folks. We'll see y'all tomorrow.